haven't heard yet, but I've, is it Jason Aldean? Yeah, Jason Aldean. Oh, yeah. Try that in a small town. I've yeah. been wa- looking at memes about that all day okay. long. Because it's like headline, like I guess CMT stopped playing it or something. And I don't well, know. Now they see some people are saying they give CMT the Bud Light treatment. Like I, I haven't even heard the song, but it's like, why are you getting so worked up about a song? Because they're trying to claim that it's racist and that he's uh, pointing out a bunch of you know, basically that he's trying to say, uh, uh, like BLM is stupid and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And he came out and he was like, no, that has nothing to do with it. It was me writing about my experience of growing up in a small town. And I don't know where the hell he grew up. Maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't, but it's just, you know, uh, things about growing up in a small town. Like, um, you know, people don't take shit from other people. Like you get along with each other and, if you want to step out of line, then you might end up getting punched in the fucking face. That's what that means, you know? So mm-hmm. he's talking about all the crazy horse shit, you know, that's in the media and stuff. Try that in a small town. See what happens. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. He's not, you know, being racist or anything else. Well, the racism card has been played so much it doesn't have any. It's the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Like you're just saying it so much. Everything is racist. Then nothing's racist. Yeah. It's losing its credibility. It's, I mean, it kind of it's is. way too overblown. Everyone's a Nazi. Everyone's racist. Like, yeah. Okay. Let's just take it for granted that every single person is racist and Nazi. Now we got to have to come up with something else. I know. Right. Yeah. Everybody's racist and everybody's a Nazi. Oh, okay. Well then if everybody is, well yeah. then what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> We're all equal then. Yeah. Right. We're all equal then. We're all racist Nazis. <laughs> it's crazy try that I haven't even heard that song yet yeah that's what I'm saying I haven't heard it I just oh look there it is Jason Aldean try that in a small town let's see if we can get this episode kicked off of YouTube yeah already. <laughs> well if they have it on YouTube then that's oh, yeah typical uh, Jason Aldean country ballad Flags and a bunch of lights. Maltov cocktail. cocktails. Yeah, that was the other thing he was saying is, you know, as uh, as one of the people who is last on the stage during the. Uh, Las Vegas, you know, massacre during that country concert oh, or whatever. He played there. Yeah, he was. His band was on stage when oh, uh, that guy oh. Stephen Paddock started shooting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so he was like, as one of the last, you know, bands to play, and being in the middle of that, you know, ridiculousness, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad. He's like, I, you know, this is about how we all need to work better at getting along with each other and not killing each other and not robbing each other and everything else like that's what he's trying to get at yeah and so he's just playing clips of different stuff in the media and yeah Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It sounds like every other uh, country ballad these days. <laughs> I, I, I get the message of it. It's, you know, whatever. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a bad message, but the music and all that is exactly the same as everything else. Nothing's original anymore. Yeah. Originalities. I mean, they're just, they look at Hollywood. They're just remaking everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every Every movie that comes out now is a remake of something else. And then it just has, you know, some new writer or director's spin on it and how they think it should have gone, which is funny. I'm surprised that Disney hasn't remade all of the Star Wars yet, right? Mm. With feedback from today's writers and things like that. Because how many people out there are constantly complaining about the originals? Like, oh, well, he should have done this or, oh, this was stupid or the whole shit with Jar Jar Banks and stuff. It's like. The guy wrote it 
when he was in high school, instead of going to his prom, he was at home writing backstories for every single character in the Star Wars universe. Even the guy in the bar, uh, when they went to, you know, get a ride from Han in the first one, or I guess the fourth New Hope, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Even the bartender has a story. We don't know it because he never put it in there, right? But supposedly, according to what George Lucas has said, I think, is that every single character that you that you see on the screen, whether how infinitesimal and small, they have a backstory. Because that's all he did was he wrote stories about everybody and everything. And really it was, you know, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and that whole thing that, you know, took the, the focus the same people that complain are the ones that are like the biggest geeks and love it the most though. I know. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well if you could fucking do it better, then why don't you do it better? Why yeah. don't you create your own star Wars thing? Make and, a sub stack, start yeah. writing about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Write your own like character story, <laughs> write a sub stack. It's, it's yeah. like, why not? How star Wars should have gone. Right. Star Wars should be sub stack. <laughs> it's free, free country, man. Yeah. Or, I'd like to see you write yeah. as much as he did. Yeah at the same age and see how well it turns out. Yeah. It's so easy to be a critic, you know, it's so challenging to actually produce content. It is to produce good content. I mean, but but I don't even know if half of my content is good, but but then, but then the people get like my wife, particularly they they really enjoy the comments section. So they're they're, they're the comments. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, the comments are probably the best. Look at it. We can look at the comments of this video right now. Let's try it in a small town. Look at this. Uh, let's see. First one. There's nothing wrong with defending your family and neighbors from criminals. In fact, we should be proud to do so. That person should right. be deplatformed by now. Right. Yeah. Uh, next one. I'm a, I'm, I am Hispanic, a woman and a veteran. I serve this beautiful nation. I call my home and I see nothing wrong with defending it from criminals, enemies, or anyone who tries to harm the livelihoods and lives of innocent Americans. This isn't about race. It's about standing your ground and I am here for it. <laughs> Next one. Why is it being canceled when he is a hundred percent right? Ridiculous how this country has gone stand up and fight for what is right and not what the left want us to believe. Mm. I thought these would be better. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the memes on Facebook are a lot better. Yeah. The memes are great. <laughs> Here's another one. I'm black and I approve this message because it goes both ways. United we stand, divided we fall. Love, peace, and prosperity to all. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm. Yeah, he's just pointing out fucking entitled assholes and fucking lunatics. I mean, isn't mostly BLM and Antifa like white people anyways? Like white, like disillusioned, like youngsters? I mean, Antifa, yeah. I don't know about BLM. I don't really keep up with either of them, but from what I've seen, I mean, BLM is a lot of, uh, white people that just feel guilty for yeah. shit that they didn't even do. White guilt. Yeah. 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 White guilt. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't do anything to you. Yeah. I never owned slaves. As far as I know, no one in my family ever did, but even if they did, that was their fault, not mine. But, I had nothing to do with it. And they're supposed to be guilty for what ancestors did. Like, hundreds of years ago, but not guilty for what they're doing now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. You stand guilty for your actions, not the actions of others, which Mm -hmm. means I am not guilty for the actions of my ancestors. That's their problem. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm responsible only for my actions. That's right. Yeah. I got this, uh, I was just curious to see if there's anything out there because uh, I was actually thinking about like, AI and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I just got on and I Googled random question generator and it came up with one that so far I came up with some decent stuff. So I figured, right. we, could, I figured we could play around with it. Yeah. Random question podcast. Yeah. Random question podcast. Uh, let's see. So first one, if you were offered the position of mayor of your city, would you take it? Have we been recording this whole time? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. That's a yes or no question. That's easy. No. Yeah. Yeah. I learned the political thing back in high school because I was all big man on campus with student body president and all that stuff. And what you what you I learned back at seventeen is that there's always someone more powerful pulling the strings above you. Right. So if I was mayor, it may sound like a great title, but what resume am I going to put it on? What am I going to 
apply to heaven, like feeling like, hey, look, I was mayor. Get me <laughs> yeah. in. Like when I was in, at least when I was 17, I was going to apply to college and be like, hey, look, look at my, my high school resume. Right. But I learned long ago. I mean, look at what we're dealing with now. Right. You think that the current president is actually running the show? Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, so, he's not. So if that happens at that level, then I'm guessing it probably happens on the level of mayor. So what about you? Would you be mayor? Fuck no. <laughs> a little more emphatic than my answer. Yeah. No, uh, I have never been interested in politics really of any kind. I mean, I, I try to keep up on it a little bit, you know, because it's, it is important to know about what's going on. But I mean, yeah, unfortunately I don't really, you know, keep in touch with it that much. Not nearly as much as I should anyway. But I mean, I, it's, it's just a bunch of horseshit and it's a popularity game really. Yeah. You know, and then you have, and then, uh, you know, in the actual, um, real deal of it is everybody and their grandmother wants what they want. And it's like people today can't seem to understand, you know, the majority rules, which, which does suck. Right. Because then you have to look at it from the other side too. Cause I can sit here all day and say, Oh, we fucking libtards, blah, blah, blah. Well, assuming that they are actually all voting and all votes are being counted correctly and nobody's injecting extra votes or deleting anyone's votes and things are going the way that they're supposed to, then okay. Majority rules. I guess I can't complain too much. Right. But that's assuming that all of that is happening. Yeah. Big assumption. Yeah. We could go down that rabbit hole all day. Um, yeah, it's just self-entitled monsters everybody has become for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to be dealing with that. You can't make everybody happy. And yes. so you have to, whether by vote or by design, you have to try and, you know, do what's, quote, best for the people. But there's always going to be one side or another that's like, thinks you're a piece of shit for doing what you think is right. But the most important person to make happy is yourself. Would you be able to make yourself happy by being mayor? I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, no. it wouldn't work for me. No, it would drive me absolutely insane. Because you'd think like, oh, I, I'm mayor. I should have power to do this and part the Red Sea. Well, like that's, I'm, you know, your ego be just so like, yeah, right. I'm the mayor. But see, and, then that's <laughs> the worst part of any politician is having that ego right. and that thought of like, well, I'm the president. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right. You know, that's why the best president would be somebody who doesn't want the job. And that's what they said about George Washington, apparently. Right. And they, and they say the people that actually don't go into politics are the ones that should. So right. if someone came along and said like, Oh, you're going to be married. I almost take that as an insult. Like, what do you, how little do you think of me that you think I'd be a good politician? <laughs> right. Right. Like, ouch, burn. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. That's funny. Uh, lame. Oh, here we go. If you get rid of, if you, oh man, this is worded weird. This has got to be AI. Okay, let me rephrase this other than how it's spelled here. If you could get rid of one disease in the world, what would it be? It would be a psychological disease. It would be probably the disease of conformity, like people that are just being brainwashed. Mm. I guess the, the answer to it would be critical thinking. You know, so more of a social disease and not an actual, like, yeah, not, I mean, I guess yeah. it's kind of evading your question. Well, um, I mean, the, the, I think the easy answer would be like cancer, right? Get well, rid of yeah. cancer. I mean, or heart That's disease it. or stroke or, you know, something that, something like that, I guess. But you could also make the argument like, oh, heart, a heart attack and a stroke, like, you know, they took people out quickly and they didn't have to languish on a ventilator for, days yeah so i mean maybe i mean i look back on the the passing of my parents and it's like yeah it could have been way worse i mean it was it was surprising and shocking and painful to go through at the time but you know i don't know the disease i think is more of a social disease that i would get rid of i'd get rid of everyone wanting to outsource their thinking to someone else to a mm. so-called expert yeah, right? because then if that disease was gone, we would be less likely to collectively experience what we have the past three years. Mm. How about you? What kind of a disease would you get rid of? Probably, probably uh, same 
kind of thing. I think that's probably the worst disease that there is. I mean, not to say that, you know, cancer and shit isn't bad, but here's the thing. And somebody asked me yesterday, um, what causes do I support or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything. The best thing that I could think of was, you know, anything that supports our troops, stuff like that, soldiers, mm-hmm. um, soldiers, mental health, you know, things on in, in that line. Mm-hmm. I support that all day. I was like, but I don't personally support really any causes. And maybe I should, I don't know. I should look into that. But I was like, why would I support cancer, you know, or anything like that? cancer researcher or, you know, philanthropy, giving money to, you know, all these scientists and shit. They're never actually, they've already, I guarantee they've already got a cure for it. They're never going to fucking give it to us. Why would they do that? It's not profitable. Yeah. There's too much money in the medicine, not in the cure. Mm-hmm. So why would I become a philanthropist or something and start supporting uh, research for, for cancer and, and AIDS or, you know, leukemia or whatever else when I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm no fucking scientist or, you know, medical expert. I would guarantee they probably already have something. They're just never going to give it to us. So I'm wasting my money giving it away for research. For what? So that they can come up with a new Band-Aid to make people feel better in short term to keep people coming back to buy it? No. Yeah. What's the, it's not my gig. What's the meme? Like a customer, uh, patient cured is a customer lost yeah, no shit, right? But I mean, when what you're describing, I'd rather do it hand to hand, right? So mm. keep your money. Don't donate it to any type of charity, so to speak, that is basically just a big bureaucracy where most of the people at the top are getting the biggest cut and the people yeah. that actually need the money aren't really getting a lot, right? Clinton Foundation or whatever, right? <laughs> like how much, how much money went onto the ground in Haiti, mm. right? And how much went to other perhaps nefarious characters. I'd rather just have my money. And then a friend comes to me like, look, I'm on, I'm on hard times. You know, I lost my job. Yeah. I got three kids or whatever. And then like, okay, I can be charitable and give directly to the person. Right. Right. Look the person in the eye and I feel good about it. Right. I know who I'm giving it to. I know what it's going for. Right. So I guess I I would be much more apt to hand a hundred dollar bill to a friend that needed it than anything else. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, no, don't pay me back. Here right. you go. It's all yours, dude. So that's a cause I support is friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Supporting a friend's cause. Right. I know that I'm, I can't put a bumper sticker on my Subaru with that, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think in terms of a disease that I would rid, uh, yeah, I, th- I think along the same lines as you, I think it'd be a social disease as far as so much division and everything between everyone. Mm-hmm. I think it would be the disease of I'm right and you're wrong and you're stupid for not believing what I believe because that seems to be the worst right now, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. That's absolutely, everyone thinks that they're right and they don't want to budge because of, you know, what they've been programmed to see as the truth. You know, they don't, they don't think for themselves. They don't actually take the time to check more than just CNN and PBS. And there's no self-reflection. Yeah. Right. It's like they've been on social media for what? Close to how long social media been around? A decade? Maybe more. They've been on social media for years fighting these arguments, trying to persuade people to change their minds. Right. Because they're right. And as you say, the the others are wrong. And yet how many minds have they changed? Right. Yeah. One. And how can you how can you be a society of tolerance and inclusion and acceptance and then tell everyone that if they don't agree with you and believe what you believe that they're wrong and they're a piece of shit and then openly call in public for those of your kind to attack those who don't think the way you think. Sounds pretty intolerant to me. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Doesn't that sound kind of fucked up? Yeah. Well, you reminded me of this one podcast I listened to where the guy had an after death experience. And so he came back from this after death experience. He actually saw his body like dead. He was like a weightlifter and took some supplement that was, you know, he couldn't get it at the local store. So him and his buddy like ordered it directly from Thailand. So of course, of course they got the stuff that wasn't dilute. So he passes out in some fast food, like dried up restaurant. He's dead. He sees his dead body, sees people coming in to help him and move him this is all of his experience and he comes back from the dead and he's got 10 lessons and one of the lessons that you just reminded me of is 
not to be prejudiced. And he thought like he wasn't prejudiced. He had two adopted Korean sisters and he'd always be defending them whenever he heard like something that he considered racist, you know, said against them. And and what he realizes that he was actually prejudiced against prejudiced people. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So you remind me of that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm tolerant except for people that are intolerant. (laughs) Yeah. It's like tolerance implies to me like, well, you're going to even tolerate the person who's intolerant or you see as intolerant. Right. But that, that implies absolute tolerance. And here's the thing is I think people get these mixed up, right? Tolerance means I don't like what you do. I mean, I don't even like you, but I tolerate you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I give you a small amount of human decency and respect that you, you know, deserve because you are a human being which means I'm not going to just punch you in the face for no reason because I don't like you. I'm going to at least wait until I have a good reason, <laughs> but yeah, but I don't have to like you and I don't have to believe what you believe. And I don't have to, you know, think the way you think that is tolerance. Right. Whereas acceptance actually is kind of the same thing. Um, but acceptance would be, you know, more of, okay, you know, I see you, I see what you're saying here and, and I can see why you think the way you think on certain things. Okay. You know, we can, we can be friends. Maybe I do like you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, there's a big difference there between oh, yeah. all of those. And then the next level is like condoning or supporting, right. And promoting right. person's like viewpoint, right. It's like, just right. cause I tolerate you doesn't mean that I condone what you're doing. Right. And right? what they push all the time as tolerance and acceptance is them trying to tell us that we have to think the way that they do, right. and that we have to believe what they believe, and we have to join them in pushing their agenda to everyone else. That's not tolerance or acceptance. Right. If you don't tolerate this naked 60-year-old man, like, you know, waving his genitals in front of a five-year-old kid yeah. right, at some par- parade, well, then you're intolerant and you're like some kind of bigot. Like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I saw something the other day where somebody... Uh, Somebody was saying, oh, they, they put up a picture of, um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. And it was, it was Robin Williams dressed as an old woman. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, this shit's been around since the nineties. If not earlier, blah, blah, blah. You didn't cry about it. Then, you know, stop acting like a fucking two year old and grow up. It's like, okay, there's a big difference between Robin Williams dressed as an old woman, very conservatively on a fake TV show reading children's stories to children. That's a totally different thing versus some guy dressed up in fucking lingerie and twerking in front of a bunch of three-year-olds. It's completely different type of genres. If I'm going to look it up on Netflix, you're talking about comedy versus horror. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, like, and if you actually paid attention to Mrs. Doubtfire, he didn't have any children on the show. It was just a TV show like, you know, Mr. Rogers where he was just sitting in a chair reading stories and talking about stuff. And then the mailman that came by and they're fucking around with dinosaurs and shit. Like it's a totally different thing. Right. They, they just like to, uh, what's the word like conflate or they just like to distract or like create a straw man. It's like, yeah. It's, yeah. And it was before Robin Williams. Cause I remember at least it goes back to Tootsie when Dustin Hoffman. Was oh yeah. That. When Tootsie. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin <laughs> he Hoffman. He couldn't get an g- acting gig as a, right. as a dude. So he had to like pretend to be a woman. Yeah. Right. So it was a good movie, but even then it was another comedy, right? It wasn't right. And it wasn't, and definitely kids weren't involved. Right. Right. But, and that's the thing is he did that for a specific reason, right. To get the job or whatever it was like, it wasn't him shoving his dick and balls into somebody's face and trying to say, Hey, I'm normal. I'm cool. Right. It was done to be funny. Like, you know, you're, yeah, you're desperate enough that you would go so far as to dress up as a woman just so you can get a job. Yeah, there's right? a difference between a performance and indoctrination. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are. They are two different things. One is art. Yeah, and one is mind control. There you go. And mind control is the disease I would Ooh. want to get rid of. There you go. It's all right. We circled. We circled you, back you around brought to us it. Back, Dave. Because <laughs> I was like, how far off the topic are we getting? Yeah. <laughs> Not all who wander are lost. Oh, there we go. Uh, if you inherited or won a million dollars, what's the very first thing you would do with the money? Uh, I think I, I probably split it in half and I put some aside for those people that I might know that are in need. 
because I think I want to be charitable with at least half of it. Yeah. The other half, you got to have some fun. You know, I just feel like life is for adventure. Like adventure is probably one of my values. That's how yeah. I see it. And I keep thinking of either travel or like maybe a boat or something. I don't know. I, yeah. It's a good question because I, I don't, I don't think about stuff like that. What would you do? A million bucks. That's quite a chunk. I would want to give some of it to others. Um, and I would try my damnedest, but I mean, I'm human. And so even I can be greedy, but I think what I would try to do is look at my life now and what I want in the future. Mm -hmm. And I would figure out what percentage I need to put into stocks, bonds, investment accounts, whatever else, you Mm -hmm. know, in order to, in order to build a decent, you know, revolving income, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that I could not only live on now, but also grow. And so I would probably do that, take that percentage, do all those things with it. And then what's left instead of just cutting it 50, 50, I would do that. Like, what do I need for me? And then the rest I would give out. Do you have any like small business ideas? Like kind of, this is where I envy someone who's got like these ideas that they wanted to do this business for so long. They just never had the capital to do it. Like I've I've never had an idea like that. Really? I don't think so. So, I mean, if I did, then that may be what some of the money would go for rather than, I mean, that would be my version of adventure rather than like a boat or, you Mm. know, a boat kind of sounds like lame when I say it out loud, you know? Um, So I'm not that much of a boat person. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know that I would necessarily want to, I mean, I I do have some business ideas of my own, but Mm. I mean, they're not that great. I'm, I'm talking about like an Amazon store or something like that, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't take a whole lot of capital to start if you know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. which I don't know what I'm doing. This is why I haven't done it yet. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's things that I would want to invest in for sure. Mm -hmm. Business wise. Um, you know, and, and I have some friends who are kind of savvy with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'd probably just look towards them and be like, Hey, you know, what's a good deal? What should I get in on? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I would start a motorcycle shop or something. Oh yeah. There you go. You know, just, yeah. just buy a, buy a garage or something. And, um, I don't necessarily, I don't know that I would necessarily specialize in anything. Like I, I don't know that I would want to own a Harley store, mm-hmm. but maybe like, uh, you know, one of these power sports places around here. Yeah. So I just dick around with four wheelers and side by sides and motorcycles all day. It's something you like to do. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that sounds good. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could start that up with a million bucks. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I probably, or maybe, maybe like a power sports rentals or something like that. Okay. I think that would probably do well around here, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, they already have a couple downtown, but you know, like boats and jet skis and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Snowmobiles okay. in the wintertime. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Put together yeah. like a uh, season, all season mm-hmm. recreational vehicle rental. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, maybe even hire some, some people that are really savvy with trails and stuff around here. Mm-hmm. And so like in the wintertime I had to offer like guided Oh, you nice. know, guided snowmobile tours mm-hmm. where you come in and it's a package deal where you, you rent your snowmobile mm-hmm. and all that. And you know, it's, you know, group parties of two or more, and then you get an actual guide that goes with you and leads the pack and shows you where to go and all the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I think make, that'd be dope. Now you're making me think like maybe a, a cool place to invest in would be some kind of a, like a man's hangout, like a cigar Mm. Like a whiskey bar and where guys could go and yeah. hang out and get well, out of the I mean, men's have, meetings yeah. and stuff like that. They kind of have that. Uh, they have the Racketeer Lounge in uh, Post Falls. Yeah, I haven't been to that yeah, yet. S- whiskey and cigars and all that. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, I've had I've had guys that have invited me there before, and I think I've gone once or twice. And, and I don't mind cigars, but being in an enclosed space like with that all like with all the smoke, cigar yeah. smoke, it's fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I can only handle it for yeah. so long. I guess I'm saying kind of I mean, of it's like, cool because it makes you feel manly sitting yeah. around with your cigar, you know, and your thing of whiskey, but 
because I was in a fraternity, so I was thinking, like, you know, that was a cool place to, like, hang out. If you had nothing else to do, there'd be someone there playing foosball or yeah. pool or something like that, you know. Now I'm making I don't know, maybe we should all get together and go down there to the racketeer at some point. Yeah, that would Check be it fun. Yeah. Have a cigar and some whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come on, give me another good one. Give me another good one. Oh, here we go. If you were in a witness protection program, what would your new name, what would be your new name and where would you go? Well, did, does it have to be in, like within the United States or can you, doesn't be, specify. Can you can be relocated anywhere? doesn't specify. It's funny because yesterday all, all the, the questions that me and the other person were asking each other, mm-hmm. uh, there, there were a couple that were rather vague and then it got into, you know, a playful argument of, okay, well be specific. Like, yeah. you know, what do you want here? What do you want here? what does this mean? Mm-hmm. It's fun. So I probably relocate to Sicily, Italy. Yeah. So it'd be cool. I'd relocate to Sicily. I don't know of a last name yet, but I'm thinking my first name would be Antonio. <laughs> it'd be relatively easy to remember. This is my dad's middle name. There you um, go. Uh, and some Italian like last name. Um, I don't know. Uh, Cicero Marconi or you know, something. Oh like yeah. Marconi. Yeah. After the radio. <laughs> Why Sicily? We've been there. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. You know, Mediterranean, good weather, great food, hmm. you know, and I feel like it's kind of remote enough that if I'm going to be relocated, you know, it'd be hard to kind of find me there, especially in the city of Palermo. It's kind of a pretty fairly big city. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I've always wanted to visit Ireland and mm. I think it would be cool to live there. However, I've seen more and more lately that, and, and I think it's Ireland. I know the UK is in general, but, um, it's just been getting more and more, um, like a dictatorship, mm. you know, they, clamping down on what you can and can't say and all this mm. stuff is just ridiculous. So I don't think I could ever live there. Although, yeah, that would have been the place if not for that. Um, Spain might be cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And my new name would be Rodrigo Sanchez. Rodrigo Sanchez. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds fake enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, what's the worst job you've ever had? Selling knives. Selling knives? I uh, sold knives for this company called Cutco. Great brand. I think I've heard of Cutco. Yeah, yeah. They, they have them. They might even have them at Costco. I'm not sure, but they definitely have them at the North Idaho State Fair, which is probably coming up next month. And uh, great brand. But I ended up selling them one summer and uh, because I got into, and I'm just not a good salesman. I mean, the mm. people that bought them are people that were kind of friends of my parents or yeah. people that I knew. And they enjoyed the product because, again, the product was great. But I'm just not a salesman. And then I ended up getting into a fender bender and pretty much spent most of my summer income on the repair. And <laughs> so I think I netted a total that summer of 35 cents. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so not only was it something that's not in my wheelhouse in terms of being a salesman, but it was probably the, the lowest paying <laughs> summer job it had to be. I mean, I don't think I can name a job that I wear got paid less than 35 cents. So, yeah. How about the worst, what's your, your worst job? My worst job. Um, it was So my worst job was either the job that I did... Um, with a buddy of mine for literally an hour hauling bags of explosives up a hill. Holy. Yeah. And I think I've talked about this on here before, um, uh, where I lived at in Osborne, right across the river on the other side of the freeway, they have a quarry and then that's mm-hmm. where they usually get, um, all the rock and gravel and stuff for like the winter where they spread on the roads and all that. Actually, I think it, it might be owned by Zanetti's. I'm not sure. Um, but they were, they were running out of, of loose stuff. And so they had to hire a company to come in and blast the face of it so that they could get more rock. And they were setting everything up 
and a buddy of mine that lived with me at the time, he like came back for lunch or something. And he was like, Hey, you want to make some money? And I was like, sure. Why not? And he's like, yeah, they're paying 20 bucks an hour over here. If you want to come with and I was like, all right. So I go with him and I get there and they're, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a 1099 and Hey, fill out forms and you know, we'll do a background check. It was just literally, I showed up and the foreman was like, you want to make 20 bucks an hour? I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay, start grabbing these bags and hauling them up the mountain and lay them out evenly over here, here and here. I go, okay. And so I didn't know what they were. Like I start picking these bags up and they look like, they look like, uh, um, uh, dipping dots. Oh, these big, like 70 to 80 pound bags of dipping dots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is fucking weird. And it's some kind of like, some kind of a, a pellet explosive something nitrate mm-hmm. nitrate. I, I don't remember. And so I'm taking these and I'm hauling them up this hill and I take, you know, a couple steps and then I hear somebody yell at me like very sternly, like stop where the fuck you are right now. And so I just didn't even move, just paused. And he goes, he goes, you see all those red cables on the ground there. What it was is they already had all the debt cord oh, laid out in a grid on the, on the face. And he's like, you step on one of those, you're going to blow your fucking legs off and kill us all. Go over them. I was like, okay. <laughs> so wow. it turned into like, you know, you know, football training where you're, yeah. you're going through the tires. Yeah. So it was that going uphill on the face of this mountain with these like 80 pound bags of explosives and just going up and down and up and down and up and down and laying them by the hole and then going back down and grab two more go up and lay them by the next hole and then go back down and grab two more. And you're, you're tire stepping through all of this fucking deck cord. And, uh, after an hour for one, like I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not in shape now, nor was I then. And so I was like, fuck this. It was hot. I was going to say, what time of year was it? Uh, this, this was like July. Okay. Yeah. July or early August. So it was hot as shit. The bags were heavy. I'm not in shape and I don't really want to die or kill anybody yeah. else. You know, and I'm getting tired. So I was just like, after an hour. It's my 20 bucks. Yep. I went down and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry, but this really isn't for me. And the guy was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? We have shit to do. And I go, that's cool. I'm not going to be doing it. <laughs> like, And that's literally what I said to the guy because yeah. I didn't know what else to say. Yeah. Like, fuck you. I'm not doing this. Right. And and hey, I would have walked away with with no money mm-hmm. you know like because yeah I, I told him i'd work and i only stayed an hour and i get it they got a lot of shit to do so if he'd have been like well fuck off get out of here i'm not paying you mm-hmm. i probably would have just been like okay, okay. fair you yeah. know and i would have left but he handed me 20 bucks cash and was like get the fuck out of here and don't come back and i was like all right all right cool <laughs> not gonna be a problem yeah <laughs> it was either that or um throwing freight at night at a grocery store uh when i was like 17 18 what does throwing freight mean? So, um, the freight truck would come at like nine okay, and then you would unload all the pallets, big tall ass pallets of food and all that stuff. And then, and then after 10 PM, you know, cause you lay all the pallets out, they're supposed to be stacked to kind of what zones they would be in, you know? So like you'd have half a pallet that's baby food and then the other half on top of that would be diapers, right? Cause that's mm-hmm. all going to go in the same area. Mm-hmm. Half the time they were stacked, right? Like that. The other half the time they weren't, you would have uh, boxes of bananas underneath frozen stuff, mm-hmm. which are in opposite ends of the store. Right. So that was annoying. Um, but then after 10 PM, when the store closes, you're just, you're tearing down everything and you're, you're hauling all the boxes into the aisles that they go to. And then you spend the rest of the night opening boxes and putting shit on shelves and then pulling everything at the back of the shelf towards the front. And it's called facing or rotating or whatever the hell people want to call it these days. I've heard it called 10 million different things, but you're basically taking all the old shit and moving it forward and putting the new stuff in behind it. And that's all you're doing all night long. And at first, when I first started doing it, like it wasn't bad because there was four five, six of us, something like that. And I got along with everybody fairly well. Um, but then after like the first four or five months of doing it there, they called us all upstairs at one point and like, we weren't allowed to talk to each other. We all had to just sit 
in the in the break room and just keep our mouth shut. I'm like, okay. And then they would pull us into the office one by one. And what happened was they realized that there was a lot of, you know, losses. Theft. Yeah, a lot of theft was going on. And they they had figured out who it was and what was going on. Like, I guess they would been they installed some extra hidden cameras and they were watching stuff and you know, we didn't know anything about it. So the, my boss, the guy who was the supervisor, he was taking all of his lunches out of the like dinged and damaged stuff, which is supposed to get sent back for credit. Well, he was just, he would never pack a lunch. He would just show up to work. And then if he wanted a can of soup, he would just take it out of the, the dented cans or, you know, shit like that, which is technically stealing. Because he's not paying for it, right? Well, if you're going to get credit for it. Right. The store is going to get credit for it, and he's just taking it. So he got fired. The boss got fired for stealing out of there. Yikes. Um, and then the the other lady that worked with us, uh, she was an older gal. Apparently, she was going down first thing in the morning while everybody was up in the break room, like, getting their aprons on and getting ready. And she was grabbing all of the um, meat that was, like, close to its expiration date and normally same thing you would take that and it would go into a reclaim bin well she was taking all of it and throwing it in her car mm. in a cooler that she had stashed in the back oh, isn't that nice yeah so she was stealing like hundreds of dollars worth of meat like at least once a week um and then there was another guy he was he was doing the same shit he was taking stuff out of reclaim um, there was a guy that super nice dude, very like, just one of the sweetest guys you'd ever meet and, and just very, like, didn't know anything. He's probably like 20 something, still lived with his parents, very, uh, mousy and quiet, like very sheltered, you know, like didn't swear, didn't nothing. Super nice dude. They fired him too because the boss guy who was taking food out of the reclaim bin, mm-hmm. um, this guy showed up one day and he had forgot his lunch. And so the boss was like, I ah, just take something out of reclaim. And he's uh, like, well, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's, it's all garbage anyway. You know, it's not like they're going to sell it. And he was like, well, okay. And so he so took, he listened to he, the he took, boss. Yeah. He, he took fired. like a cup of noodles and, and something, you know, stupid. Cause he didn't know any better. Yeah. But whatever, it's still stealing. So they fired his ass too. So after all the thieves were outed and fired, the job got different and got kind of sucked. Yeah. Well, and the, um, the, the bakery guy, the, the guy who baked all the donuts in the morning, um, that whole thing with the meat that the, the older gal was doing, yeah. like they were in on it together. Oh. So, so our baker got so fired got, too. Mm. Yeah. Cause he used to show up at like, um, four in the morning to say, start making all the donuts. You have to be an early riser yep. to do the baking. Yep. So it was down to me and this other guy, Chuck, that had transferred from the foothills store and, uh. We, we were the only two left. Oh, that's, that's why it sucked. That's why to, it sucked. Because you had to do so much more work because mm-hmm. everyone else was fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we had the same amount of freight, right? But now it's just me and one other guy doing it all. You're busting your ass. And we worked our asses off every night. And, and at one point, they started bitching at us because it wasn't all getting done. And we're like... Hire some more freaking Yeah, people. we were like, so hire some more people. You've only got the two of us. And yeah. they were like... The, the, the manager at the time, I don't know how he became a store manager, but he used to be a butcher at another store. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he wasn't a bad guy, but he didn't look at people and he didn't look at what things were actually going on and what people were actually doing. All he looked at was numbers. So he looked at numbers from his old store where he came from, which was in Washington. And he, you know, did some uh, quick uh, math in his own head and decided that two people should be able to do the amount of freight that we were getting because of what they were doing over there. And I go, okay, that's cool. But those people that are working over there, how long have they been doing it for one two, what are their actual freight loads look like every night? Are you, are you averaging it or like, how are you doing the math? You know, I, I was asking him all these questions and he's getting so pissed off because I'm making a fucking point. Sure. You know, and I, and I said to him, I said to his face, I was like, how the fuck are you a goddamn manager? Like if all you look at is numbers and you're not actually managing your people, how the fuck did you get this job? 
and he got all kinds of pissed off and he almost fired me then. And I was just like, hmm, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I told him one time, one time I said, I said, look, we're busting our asses every night. We're, you know, hardly taking our breaks. We're trying to get this done, but there's just too much. And it's just the two of us. And he's like, well, then you're obviously not doing it right. And I go, okay, so how about you come down here then and you show us how it's done. You come in for one night and you teach us how to do it so that we can get it done right. And, and as quickly as it's supposed to be done. Well, I'm not going to do that. I said, well, why not? You're the manager who seems to think that we're not doing it right. So why don't you come in here and you show us how it's done? Yeah, do some managing for once. And he, he says to me, he goes, well, because I've never thrown freight. I don't know how to do it. And I go, oh, so the guy who's telling us that we're not doing it right Doesn't and we're not getting it done fast enough and that two people should be able to do it all has never done it himself. Mm-hmm. And you won't come in and help to at least see what we're doing, that we're not dicking off. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But we had an assistant manager, Joe, who threw freight for years, mm-hmm. right? And he thought Joe was hot shit. So he's like, well, I'll have Joe come in there. And I go, I don't want fucking Joe to come in here. I want you to come in here so you can see exactly what it is that's happening. Well, I'm not going to do that. And so it was at that point where I, I left and I came back later and I had, I was like, I'm done. Found him in the count out room and I go in there and I go, Hey, can we talk for a minute? And he goes, and he could tell I was pissed and he goes, whatever you got to say, you can say right here. And it was, uh, this gal who, uh, did all the marketing and stuff. Like she was in that same office. And then an, another guy who was like a, an assistant, assistant manager or something. And, uh, so I start getting in his face and just going off on him about everything. And I was just like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you, fuck this place, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, are you done? And I was like, yeah, about done. And he goes, okay, well, you can turn in your apron and blah, 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 and don't ever fucking come back here. You're fired. And I go, you can't fire me because I fucking quit when, as soon as I walked in the door. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was kicked. I was kicked out of that store for uh, a year. I was banned from it. Oh wow! Yep. So that well, was the worst. That was that was probably the worst job. I that ever sounds like a horrible job. Yeah, it was. It was bad. I mean, there were there were parts of it that were fun. When it got to the point after we realized he didn't give a shit and he thought that we should just be able to do everything and was never going to hire more people and was never going to actually take us seriously, like hey. This isn't as easy as you think it is. That's when we actually did start dicking off. Like we figured out, um, we mapped out all of the security cameras in the store and where they pointed at, right? And where the blind spots were. Mm -hmm. And so we mapped out a track through the store, through all the aisles. And we would take the, uh, you know, the old lady electric fucking ride on carts. Yeah. Yeah, and we would race those through the store. Oh, that's yeah. hysterical. And yeah, we did that a few times until the one night that Chuck ran into an end cap full of chips and salsa and oh. made a giant fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that was that was definitely the worst job. I did not have fun of any kind there. Uh, what's something you always wanted to do as a child but never got to do it? Uh, become a baseball announcer. A baseball or I, I, think, that, I think you've mentioned that before. it's either that or a veterinarian um uh yeah i i grew up in under the purview of vin scully who's you know i'm biased but arguably the greatest baseball announcer if not announcer in general mm. and uh he was such a teacher too and so i thought that would be a fun thing to do you know to announce live sporting events. That would be sweet. Yeah. It's you could do soccer. Yeah. So you just scream you just at the end when they get like a goal. Half an hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goal! Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the first thing that came to mind. Did you have things you wanted to do as a kid that you never got to? Yeah. Uh, I think the main thing was I wanted to be a pilot or at least fly a plane. Yeah, you have mentioned that on a Yeah, I've podcasts. mentioned that before. Yeah. Yeah, eventually I'll do it. Um, oh, we're not far from an airport here. I'm guessing they probably have lessons. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, I've yeah. looked into it. Yeah, it's on my, uh, you know, my bucket list, yeah. per se, of things to do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was always one of the main things. Um, that or, uh, well, so you could say 
right? Because one of the other things I wanted to be when I was a kid is a rock star, right? No. Which obviously that never happened, which is fine. Like the older I get, the more I realize I don't want to be famous. Like, fuck that. That sounds awful. Um, but like play live mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. You know? And I actually did that. I've done yeah, that a couple times now. So you, yeah. I can cross that off the list. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Fly though. That's definitely the first thing I want to do here as soon as possible. Uh, who's the most famous person you've ever met? Okay. So it's probably Jay Leno, but I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind. It's Jay Leno. Jay Leno? I mean, uh, I'm sure I'm probably over. I feel like I'm overlooking someone. But yeah, probably Jay Leno. <laughs> he, I was uh, an orderly at uh, Kenneth Norris Jr. Cancer Hospital on the USC campus. Um, L.A. County Hospital. And uh, his manager was a patient there at the time and so I kind of turned around and there was Jay Leno and he's a nice guy I chatted with him a little bit he's a he's the first person I can think of hmm. how about you um I met Pierce Brosnan when he was in town um in Silver Valley filming Dante's Peak briefly for like uh-huh. a minute I got him to sign something uh-huh. but he was he was pretty cranky, you know. He was uh, not happy that everybody figured out where he was, and he was just berated by tons of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't blame him. Um, and then uh, David Gallagher. He's uh, the he's the. He's from Oasis. That guy, or no, that's Noel that's Noel Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> David Gallagher played uh, one of the kids on that show, Seventh Heaven. He okay. was he was the youngest boy, the little blonde kid. Okay, I don't even know if I remember the show. Anyway, yeah. Right, cool. So I was in uh, uh, Northridge Mall down in California because mm-hmm. I was down there staying with my cousin, and I think I was fifteen or sixteen, and so him and the the gal that played Ruthie on that show, they were there with one of her friends, and they wandered off into some chick store like Claire's or something. And like he, I saw him go over, gets a hot dog, sits down at a table and just by himself. And so I knew who he was. I recognized him, went over, get a corn dog. And I go over and I was like, like, Hey, do you mind if I sit here? And he was just like, yeah, whatever. Cool. And so I sat there and I talked to him for probably 20 minutes about anything and everything, but TV or, you know, anything. Didn't let him know that I knew who he was. We just sat there and we just chit chatted and just talked about stuff. And then, uh, and then the gals came back and he's like, Oh, let's go talk to you, man. I gotta get going. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. I was like, I gotta go into, and then as we were walking away, I go, Oh, Hey, I like the show by the way. And he looked at me like, like, that was weird. Like he knew who I was the whole time and didn't Uh, say a word. Yeah. (laughs) But that was the thing is after that, like that whole, cause I met Pierce Brosnan when I was younger. And so I, I, I noticed then, you know, and kind of understood why he was so pissed because there's, he's just getting attacked at the door of this small bar, you know, cause he, all he wanted to do is be in there and get a drink and just relax. And then everybody in town is like, Oh, sure. can I get your autograph? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he was, he was kind of pissy. And so I thought about that before I went over, you know, to sit down at the table and I was like, yeah, they're just people like everybody else. Yeah. They don't want to be fucking bothered. As you're, so, as you're talking, Dave, I'm thinking about all these other people, right? So the one you just remind me of, the guy who played um, Mr. Brady, Robert Reed, right? So he was the Bra- he was Mr. Brady in the Brady Bunch. Oh, okay. Right? So he lived in the, in fact, he died at the hospital very close to where I grew up. But I remember this bar. This is back in the days when you can smoke at a bar. And we went in. And he's at the very end of the bar watching TV, smoking a cigarette. And he made like eye contact like with us because we were just in the other part of the bar, like in a little circle, like drinking. And, and I looked over and I'm like, I think that's that's Robert Reed. That's Mr. Brady. And he like looked and he gave me the look. that I'm sure Pierce Brosnan wanted to give everyone in that town, which is like, I'm just here having a drink and a cigarette. Do not come up to me and freaking <laughs> engage in conversation. So I like totally respected that look. 
Yeah. But I'm also thinking that why do we default immediately to uh, celebrities of TV and, and film, right? So you could say that the most famous person I ever met, I didn't even know who he was at the time, was Michael Bloomberg, right? So Michael Bloomberg mm. was a member in the same chapter and same fraternity that I was. Mm. So this was, I don't know, it was, a, it was a homecoming years after I graduated. So it may have been, may have been 2004, I'm guessing. And we're, the fraternity house was still there. It's now totally gone. But we're walking up. We sign in the little guest book. And this guy's behind me. He's, he's shorter and older. And he gives me a secret handshake. I'm JJ. Like, yeah, I'm Michael. Gives him this and then as soon as I sign in, I look for some guys that I know that were in my class. They're like, come here, come here, come here. And they're like, I'm like, what? What? And like, like, you just met Bloomberg. I'm like, who the hell is Bloomberg? Like, I don't know who Bloomberg is. Yeah. Like, I'm in freaking med school. I'm not in, like, business school. Like, what did he say? What did he say? I'm like, he just said his name was Michael. It's so like, well, introduce me. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I know one thing more than you do. He gave me the secret handshake. <laughs> so then I introduced my, my one friend that was so interested in, like, talking to him. But at the time, I didn't even know who Michael Bloomberg was. But all these people in the business world, they blotted him heavily. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's why we... To answer your question, I think that's why we default to television and movie stars, right? Because we see them all the time. Yeah. Most people know who they are. Yeah. Because most people watch TV. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't know if I ran into Bloomberg or right. maybe even Elon Musk. Yeah. You know? I've only seen him a handful of times on, like, Joe Rogan or, or mm-hmm. you know, some news spot or something. Yeah. I don't know that I would recognize him out in public. Now, if this was 2018 or 19 and you asked me this question, I probably would have to say Johnny Bench. So Johnny Bench, he had, I don't know, poor guy. He's been on his like fourth or fifth marriage, whatever marriage he was on at the time. He had a young son who was a classmate of our daughters. Mm. So they went to the same school. So every now and then Johnny would be dropping off his kid and I'd see him. And then the, the boy had a birthday party, like at this private country club and so I'm talking to Johnny Bench about the 76 World Series. I'm just having a chat, and he's, like, having a cocktail. And yeah. we talk about the subject of Pete Rose, right, controversial. And so he was very animated about that. He was definitely had an opinion on that. So for those that are you know, big sports fans, you could argue that the most famous person I met was Johnny Bench. Hmm. Actually had met him, shook his hand, took a picture of him with our daughter, got him to autograph it. So that was pretty cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't keep up with celebrities much, which is funny because a lot of them come here. Oh yeah, between um, so between Coeur Resort and uh, oh man, what are those other two? Gazer Ranch, Gazer Ranch, yeah. and the one that's right next to it. That I, one I don't know the name. Um, I'm sure, Scott Fink would know. Yeah, he probably would. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that that's where all the celebrities go. And then how many celebrities like own houses around Coeur d'Alene? Oh, like, yeah. Tons of them. You know, yeah. John Travolta is Third here all the time. I heard Wayne but I've never seen yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting to me that how many celebrities I haven't seen, considering that they're here all yeah. the time. You know, Ed Bagley Jr. We saw him at uh, Alabama Hills Cafe, a little place we stopped for breakfast when we used to go skiing. Ed Bagley Jr. Was he in? Oh well, I remember him from Saint Elsewhere. That was years ago. But he was in. Uh, did you ever see uh, Better Call Saul? Yes. So he was in Better Call Saul. He was also he had like a little role in Six Feet Under, which I recently rewatched some of those episodes. Um, yeah, he's kind of a nerdy looking guy with blonde hair, tall glasses, um, clean shaven. I know now he's probably got to be in his sixties, could be early seventies. Oh, that guy. Yeah. So he was in a, he was in, so we were, we were going to pay because at the restaurant you kind of, you go to the counter to pay after you're done eating. And so he was in front of me and I was like, uh, so I remember, that's right. He wasn't better called Saul. I remember him most, um, from, uh, she devil. I don't know if I ever saw she devil. That was a movie. It was, it was him and Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr. And in the movie, he was married to Roseanne, who was like this kind of like fugly housewife. Uh-huh. And 
he was a he worked for some like big publisher or something mm-hmm. and so Meryl Streep was a romance novelist uh-huh. that used his publishing company and they were having an affair the whole time oh. and so he leaves his wife Roseanne mm-hmm. to be with this you know she hot devil. you know chick and yeah and uh, Roseanne turns into she devil and basically ruins his whole fucking life oh. like one piece at a time wow oh. It sounds it's hilarious. Yeah. It's a great movie. It sounds like, I don't know if Roxy's seen it, but it sounds like we should watch that then. Yeah. I was looking for stuff to watch. Man, I haven't seen that in forever. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's my list. That's at least who I can think of right now. Yeah. I haven't really met any celebrities that I would know of anyway, other than those ones. Uh, it's kind of an odd one. Uh, yeah, we've been about an hour. We've we done more. Okay. Uh, what would you do if you were the lone survivor of a plane crash? Oh, jeez. Besides pray, I mean, I guess I'd have to work. Thanks to you and, you know, Jameson, like seeing those shows alone. I guess I'd try to remember as much as I could of that. <laughs> you know, we're presuming that I'm on land, right? That I'm not like in the middle of the ocean, like a, in a plane crash, and just trying to float at sea until I die it's true there's a lot of variables right right i mean i'm just presuming that i'm it's lost the tv show lost but i'm the only one there's no (laughs) hurley's the only one who survives it's like what's he gonna do okay so i guess i would try to build shelter first try to start a fire there'd be a lot of things to do if i wanted to try and survive and then have to look for water have to look for food so what's the order I guess you want to get the shelter first, right? Is that the order of it all? I mean, that's what I can remember. That's what they say. Shelter is most important. Alone is that show is like to build shelter because while you have like the most energy, right? Before you have to look for food. Yeah. Like to try and get the shelter situated. Yeah. Because you can go, you know, several days without food and water. Yeah. Depending on the climate you're in. Yeah. But yeah, you need all the energy you can at first to build a shelter and have a place to actually sleep yeah. to get whatever energy you can back yeah. at night and not freeze to death yeah. or be eaten. I guess you could say that uh, I would see if I had my cell phone and had any reception and then make a call. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, assuming your cell phone didn't fly out of a window. and Right. Yeah, if I was... Uh, or smashed through somebody's skull. If I was a 20-year-old, I'd probably answer the question, well, I'd text someone to let them know where I was. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But well, I'm thinking I'm, like a I would just pull out my phone right, exactly. and I would dial 911 and then I would use my Google Maps to give them um, the... What, yeah. what do they call it? The coordinates yeah. to where we're at? I'd take a selfie and post it on Instagram saying like, <laughs> OMG, I'm the only survivor. Right. <laughs> I would totally totes get a picture yeah. for my Instagram. Like well, first thing with well, the burning plane yeah. and like dead people and stuff. Take that, Jeff Probst. Who's the guy who does like the survivor show? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's him. I'm the only survivor. <laughs> I won. I don't know. I would, if that's my phone worked, I would pull it out and I would start playing survivor. Yeah, the tiger. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, First thing you would do in a plane crash. Yeah, that's that's kind of a loaded question because there's so many variables. Are you crashing on land? Are you crashing in an ocean? Are you crashing on a mountain region or in a desert or you know uh, in a jungle? Yeah, like. So the first thing that came to my mind was Castaway. So it's like oh, yeah, that, yeah. So that's what I envisioned. So it's like I don't remember the movie that well. But it's a great movie. Yeah, I, I do remember shelter, food, and water being important. Yeah. Fire. Yep, fire. Fire to stay warm and cook food yeah. so you're not, or or boil water. Mm-hmm. Because if uh, you don't have purification tablets or, you know, some kind of a straw that filters it for you, then you got to boil everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if it's, I mean, I assume it's real, but I mean... I mean, all those reality TV shows are all scripted anyway. But yeah. one thing I did see and in, uh, was that you can boil water in a plastic bottle. Oh. Over fire. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. That's something I want to try and see if you can actually do it. Kind of yeah. like a Mythbusters deal. Sure. Like, can you actually do that? Yeah. I think it would melt. You would think so, and that's what I thought. But, I mean, maybe, maybe not. 
Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, like the water keeps the plastic from melting. But then again, you're still cooking all of the BPA and yes, whatever else is in the plastic exactly. into the water. Yes, it's no longer just water. So it's not good for you, but at yeah. least it's water that doesn't have parasites in this it. This is mostly water, yeah. Yeah, it's mostly water. <laughs> Shit, that reminds me I need to get purification tablets in a canteen before our yeah trip. that's what i was going to say that's there's a couple things on the list you sent me that i don't have yet yeah yeah that's gonna be fun have you got any of your stuff yet yeah i have got some of it that's what i was asking about i haven't got the backpack yet because i wasn't sure like you guys text reply was like after i had already left so yeah i think mine's a 50 liter I'm not sure. It's not. Okay. It's not very big. Okay, because the one on Amazon, you somebody said eighty liters. So I'm like, oh, that's big. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how long you're going to go out for and how much shit you want to carry with you. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, short period of time and not a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you're looking at, as far as clothes go, you're looking at some long johns, yeah. a top and a bottom, right? And then, like, a couple pairs of underwear. Yeah couple of shirts, couple of pants. Yeah. Very and that's minimal. It. And you're, yeah. you're wearing one pair and washing the other in the river. Yeah. And then drying it on a tree. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. You know, clothing is like the least. Yes. The least concern. Least concern. Yeah. So, and you know, it's like I was talking about with those, uh, hiking pants where you can zip the legs yes. off, turn them in the shorts. Yes. Yeah. So anything that's multi-purpose is always going to be better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you got food. Food, water, um, shelter, food, water, shelter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are, the, those are the best things. Yeah. Pocket knife. So you can whittle. Yep. You make a flute. Have one of those. I just found my buck knife. That I lost earlier, but good for you. Yeah. Right. I still need to go through my stuff and put it together. Uh Oh, you're yawning on your own podcast. That's not good. Uh, no, I've just been tired. Yeah. <laughs> We just got back from a trip. Yeah, and it was a long trip. Yeah, we we need to uh, we need to get together at some point and go for a a little ruck. Yeah, I did three up in Bonner's Ferry this last week, and boy, that oh, was yeah? humbling. Yeah, because it was. Did you do thirty pounds? Thirty-five pound plate in the backpack. Ooh. The route is kind of steep, so I'm not sure like how steep you know what we'd be doing, but uh, so, these ones were kind of steep, so I was definitely having to pause. I was thinking about that, and this Saturday, I'm gonna take a trip up there mm-hmm. and just hike it. Okay, just to go look. Okay, because I haven't been up there since I was probably like ten years old. Okay, so I don't I don't remember it. Okay, and I've. I've never actually been up to the one we're going to. I've been to the lower one and I know, I know how to get where we're going because I've been to that spot before, but I've never actually been up there. Okay. So, so you'll have an idea. Yeah. So Saturday I'm going to go up there and check it out and then I can report back and let you know how horrible it's going to be. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun though. Yeah. Well, dude, you want to, call this or you want to ask another question or what yeah. do you think yeah no we can wrap this up dude well thank you like, once again for the invite and the random question yeah let's do random questions it's fun I'll have to find another one that's some better stuff on. yeah alright everybody thanks for tuning in thanks for listening appreciate it appreciate you keep on grinding have a great week <laughs>